rated. Bum, bum, bum. That's nine in a row now. Uh, wait, what's your name again? <laughs> uh, Dickory P. Weenus. <laughs> I didn't know we were having a guest <laughs> on this time, but it's nice to meet you, Dickory. <laughs> I'm Ryan Whedon. Um, this is my wife, Vagina MacGyver. <laughs> So nice to meet you, Vagina. <laughs> Dickery. Pleasure having you here. Uh, do you mind if I start things off with a super loaded question? Sure. What the fuck is wrong with our government? Wh- which, which part of the Edge of Chaos are you referring to? All of it! It's just a mess. It's, it's just a regular Bridget Jones' diary in here. <laughs> The level of embarrassment I feel yeah. being an American right now. I just yeah. didn't know I could go that that far. I mean, I was already embarrassed when he was running for president, like, even just as a Republican nominee yeah. candidate. And then, like, it got real bad when he was the nominee. And now, like, now that he's president, I'm like, who? Like, at what point do we take, like, our degradation seriously? <laughs> even if he doesn't do, like, any long-standing damage, like, how do we, like... Just, like, look at him and not feel shame. I always feel like this is how, like, white supremacists and racists felt about Obama, which makes me even sadder. Oh, God. Yeah, maybe. Like, they must have looked at him and be like, this is so embarrassing, but, like, it wasn't. Like, Obama was, like, diplomatic and presidential and, like, knew how laws worked and, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know basic things... <laughs> That we require from really any elected official. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, we decided to do a full 180 on that. <laughs> now we have none of those things. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting to think about. Which leads me to my second question. Isn't Greek food fucking delicious? Mm, mm-hmm. I cannot get enough falafels, feta, kalmata olives, cucumbers, and tomato. Just, like, throw that all together in a... Euros, yeah, just, just get it just all over. I just want to eat Greek food to I mean, a bursting point. I do love feta cheese, probably disproportionately from other cheeses. Uh, and I don't know what they do with their like lamb and beef over there, but <laughs> it is working for me. <laughs> what if we just move this podcast to Greece? What if we just settle for the pool in my backyard? <laughs> okay. And get uh, uh, a, a lovely, food. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, a lovely, like, anti-pasta place. Yeah, let's be honest, <laughs> the thing I want is the food there. I don't really need the environment. We'll just get some, like, cheese and olives and, like, little toasted bread with some, like, olive oil and, mm-hmm. like, sit by the pool. Great. That's like a Greek aisle right there. Perfect. I can, I can, I can use my imagination. You want to get some Greek food later? Kind of. <laughs> I'm going to start a Greek takeout restaurant called Greek on the Go. And people just call it Greco. Uh, there was a Greek fast food restaurant when I was in Tacoma called It's Greek to Me. Oh, okay. And they had a drive through and everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can't imagine eating like a gyro or something while driving. <laughs> it seems pretty messy. I mean, I guess I eat burritos, you know. I used to eat like, you know, taco time. Would you eat tacos while you're driving then? Because I feel like... Like hard awful... shell tacos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where were like, our large on that? <laughs> Can outlaw cell phones, but uh, hard shell tacos, that's that's still fair game. I'd like to see the big government Democrat proposing that law. <laughs> the anti-taco law. Oh, we need like a, a hard shell taco car accident <laughs> Gabby Haynes, basically. But the way our government's working, nothing's going to happen anyway. I don't know, I can see Trump outlawing tacos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but taco bowls at the Trump Tower. Oh yeah, they're the best. Believe me, as long as they're you the best. Tweet about it while driving. God. Anything? Uh, anything you watched recently? <laughs> Do you like that hard? Just uh, cut that off. Yeah, smooth transition. <laughs> That's not what we're about over here. What if we just start putting hashtag smooth transition on all our Twitter <laughs> posts? Maybe maybe then people will just believe it, because it's like, well, it says it on the... Yeah. People clearly just believe what they read. <laughs> um, I watched something... 
party over the weekend. Oh, yeah? The Clouds of Sils Maria. It's from the director of Demon Lover, mm-hmm. Olivier Asayas. I have no idea how to pronounce his name. Um, he's French. Okay. But and it had Juliette Binoche in it. Ah. And Kristen Stewart and Chloe Grace Moretz. Okay. Kristen Stewart, so it must be a newer one. Yeah, it's fairly new. It's a couple years old. Uh, Julia Binoche is an aging actress. Okay. And she is being asked to not reprise a role, but star in a revival play. The the subject matter of the play is starting to mirror her real life. Uh, Like, she's running lines with Kristen Stewart, and it's starting to, like infer that like Kristen Stewart is leading her along ah. uh, and yeah it kind of like it, and it, it brings into a lot of like celebrity internet gossip and yeah just a bunch of stuff like that and it, it was pretty good it was pretty good mm. I'd recommend it it was, it was a, a heady film okay so nothing wrong with heady yeah heady and you know Greek just all together or Helen Reddy she's 41 and he still calls her baby. Yeah, oh, it's great song, Chris. She's woman. Hear her roar? Yeah. Well, cool. Did you watch anything? No, I'm really trying to, like, <laughs> play for time here. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess I started watching um, The Keepers, which is a... A Netflix true crime documentary. Okay. About a nun who was killed. Oh! Yeah. I heard about this someplace. Is it any good? Yeah. (laughs) It's heavy. It's just so dark. I mean, fuck. Organized religion is... The worst? The worst. Not to get political here, but... Whatever. (laughs) We've already started it. Uh, But, like... Man, that really fucks with people. Especially if you're, like, raised in, from an organized religion as, like, this is how the world is. Yeah. Like, that can really skew you. Especially a religion like Catholicism, which is what this is, you know, takes place where it's, like, all based on shame. Yeah. And it's like, wow, you can do some real damage to somebody if you just continually shame them. Yeah. And say that, like, this is God's will, you know. I don't want to give too much about it away, but it's fucked. It's the basis of all my relationships. <laughs> Just keep shaming them, keep, <laughs> keep them low and timid. Shame or guilt. Yeah, mm-hmm. one yeah. of those two. Well, the two go hand in hand mm-hmm. on this mm-hmm. documentary. But if you're Catholic, you just go to confession. All's forgiven. Yeah. Doesn't matter how bad. Yeah, I guess you're right. That's what Madonna learned, anyway. <laughs> I thought... She was, like, into, like, Kabbalah or something. Yeah, that was later. <laughs> oh. But she, when she was a kid, that she learned that pretty early on. It's like, oh, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Oh. And then I just go to confession, and it's, like, all forgiven. And it's like, well, I'm free to do it again. So. Confessions on a dance floor. Exactly. <laughs> Which was well into her Jewish phase. <laughs> Pick a religion, Madonna. <laughs> Come on. Or don't. Because <laughs> they all are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag yes all religions. <laughs> there I said it. I got a question for you. Okay. How's it up? way <laughs> I don't remember what the exact response was but something along those yeah, lines yeah that's yeah. about right <laughs> uh, I'm of course referencing obtusely the movie that we watched this week which was uh, It's Such a Beautiful Day mm-hmm. by uh, Don Hertzfeld who uh, is one of my favorite living artists so before watching this I was Really only familiar with uh, Rejected. Okay. Um, and the only part of that that I really had a clear memory of was my anus is bleeding. My anus is bleeding! I think a lot of people 
feel the same. <laughs> Which I think I saw seven or eight years ago now, mm-hmm. close to it at least. Um, and I didn't really think much of it. Like, I thought it was cute and funny. Mm-hmm. But then I don't think I heard the name Don Hertzfeld again for, like, five or six years. I mean, it was probably when uh, World of Tomorrow came out. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was two years ago now. Two years. Okay. Yeah. So I think I, I hadn't really heard much of him until that came out. Oh, okay. Uh, and even then, I didn't I didn't see any Don Hertzfeld again until yesterday. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it had been a while. My story is, is, is kind of similar. I started with Rejected 2. I watched it. thought it was hilarious. Would watch it over and over and over again. Um, and then I kind of... He was always kind of on my radar. And then somebody got... Um, he did something with... Uh, what's the guy? King of the Hill. Oh, Mike Judge. Mike Judge. Yeah, they did like a, a touring animation. I don't know, festival basically. Um, and somebody I knew got a disc of one of those and okay. we watched it and there was, and actually the, one of the videos was a Don Hertzfeld one and it okay. was actually the first part of this oh, um, okay. feature link. And so I made the connection that it was, that it was, oh, this is the same guy as, uh, the rejected dude. Yeah. And so he's always kind of been there and I've been peripherally paying attention to him. I'm, I'm just glad he's around making art right now. So... I feel like this is the most Ryan pick <laughs> so far. Really? Of all the movies we've been. Mm. Everything about it just kind of like, sort of like American Astronaut, how like when I saw this, like I was only like halfway in the movie, I'm like, I have to tell Ryan about this movie. <laughs> With this, I'm like, because it's, it has like a deep emotional aspect to it. And it has sort of a, a level of ambiguity. Like, it's not like it tells, like, a very clean story, like, point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Like, it's more just, like, someone, like, kind of traveling through their emotions. Yeah. Like, in the world. Yeah. Uh, not too many, like, events in, like... It's not know. super plotty. Um, and then it's also just sort of, like, funny and, like, randomly quirky and just sort of funny in a sort of disjointed sort of way. Yeah, it's certainly offbeat humor. Yeah, which is, I feel, the type of humor that you like. Indeed, yeah, it speaks to my soul. (laughs) Uh, And so, yeah, there's just a number of... Yeah, just like everything, I'm like, this is very Ryan. You're right, this is the kind of art I thrive on. (laughs) I feel like this... I was worried going into it, thinking like, oh shit, is this too much like um, Guy Madden? And I made that connection. I maybe, maybe. I mean, you could make the argument that they're very similar artists working in very similar ways uh, and doing things like in-camera effects and things like that. Um, but I feel like he's got his own voice. I don't feel like they're. I don't feel like they're speaking necessarily the same thing. So when I started watching this last night or yesterday afternoon, I was definitely thinking like, oh, like the the sort of frantic, like, uh, uh, pace of ideas is very much like Guy Madden. Yeah. Uh, and sort of like the sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, carefree nature of the ideas where they're not, like, they're not, like, big heavy ideas. They're just sort of, like, lucid, non-sequitur ideas. Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, this definitely, like, has, like, a Guy Madden touch to it. But when, especially for It's Such a Beautiful Day, like, start to finish, it really has almost a Terrence Malick quality to it. Oh, with, okay. Like, it's meditations on like life and death and like yeah. the the human experience and and especially like with the music that he plays with like yeah. It's such a beautiful day. Had Smetna's Ma, Ma Vlast in it, mm-hmm. uh, which was all over Tree of Life. Right. Uh, and I mean he Hertzfeld like almost exclusively uses classical music. Mm-hmm. And I saw in an interview that uh, he does that mostly because uh, he doesn't like working with composers, A, but also because it's like licensing. It's free. Oh, yeah. You know? So they're dead, long dead. <laughs> you know? And it works, you know? Yeah. Um, which is kind of brushes up on a topic we're going to get to here in a little bit. But, uh, well, first of all, I guess, did you like this? Oh, yeah. Oh, very much so, yes. Okay, good. And yet you, you haven't seen it before I've never seen it before yesterday. Oh, good. Um, well, yeah, this is definitely a Ryan, Ryan favorite. Um, I love just uh, the ingenuity, the imagination, and it's a singular voice. And that uh, 
he's he's just he's creating art you know like this is this is what film should be you know yeah and it's it's crazy because his films are super minimal like there is nothing these are stick figures we're watching <laughs> yeah basically like they might have like two lines for the body instead of just one right that's it like there's nothing there's nothing in frame that isn't absolutely necessary like yeah. he keeps it real simple but at the same time, I don't know, it, it works. Like, there's a scene, there's just, like, scenes where it's, like, he looks sad, and it's just, like, a very simple sad face, but mm-hmm. it works. Yeah, he, he uses, he works a lot with, well, so I read a thing today where uh, he basically, the reason he does animation is because he was a film student and uh, was basically, couldn't afford the film the actual like you know mm. film to make stuff so he just realized like oh i can do this with animation and it's a lot cheaper and i can still get my ideas across even though i'm not like you know a, a great animator or anything mm-hmm. um which i would argue maybe he is but um they uh yeah it's just like animation was the way it worked for him and he can get his ideas across so he's just kind of stuck with it ever since yeah, because he's really, like, anti-advertisement. He's anti... Yeah. Like, he doesn't want to do anything except just, like, make the art and put it out there. Yeah. Uh, and I guess he's, like, self-sustained. Like, he lives off the money from, like, DVD sales and yeah. touring and things like that. Never had a, 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 a paying job. Yeah. It's always been this, which is... Yeah. I, I feel like Don Hartzfeld is, like, the internet's own artist. Like, he makes art I, I mean it's such a beautiful day is like the longest you know right uh, I mean even then it's like three short films put together right but like rejected like that's begging to go viral like that <laughs> yeah. is that is like what you make if you want people to like for like word of mouth on the internet totally uh it's just Oscar like, nominated for best original short, rejected. Yeah, was Oscar nominated. That's like kind of put him up there. You know, like all his stuff previous to that was all like festival darling kind of kind of okay. fodder, and then this got put out because he was getting commercial uh, offers at that point. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "What if I? What would happen if I just gave them the worst ideas for commercials yeah. and just see what happens?" And then he kind of like ran with that idea. You're watching the Family Learning Channel, and now angry ticks fire out of my nipples. But yeah, it was nominated for an Oscar. Wow. Yeah. My anus is bleeding. I know! <laughs> and then the next time, he was actually nominated again for um, World of Tomorrow. I year. can definitely understand that. <laughs> World of Tomorrow, the very end, when the little girl is put back, like time travels forward, Yeah. and they miss, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, is this how it ends? <laughs> it was like in Toy Story 3 when they're about to like go on the fire. I'm like, is this how this movie ends? Yeah. And that's what I thought with World Tomorrow. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, he's not afraid to kill off characters. No. Uh, I almost wanted to do this, It's Such a Beautiful Day, and World of Tomorrow together, but I felt like I was being greedy. And also they're kind of like, we could probably do a whole podcast just on World of Tomorrow maybe. But, um... Talk for 45 minutes about a 17-minute movie. <laughs> I could. I got lots of thoughts. Uh, but, um... But what's interesting is that he's still doing... Like, the characters in, uh... World of Tomorrow are still those stick figure characters that he's been drawing. Yeah. Like, they, they go throughout his work. Yeah. With World of Tomorrow, that was his first digital film, I guess. Yeah. But he really wanted to do something that didn't... He, he wanted to do something different than what he'd previously had done without looking like what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I would say he succeeded. Agreed. Yeah, it's a great one. With It's Such a Beautiful Day, I like it because I feel like it kind of... It, it, it tack, or not tackles, but it does a really good job illustrating how sort of weird our minds can be. Yeah. Like when we're not paying attention. Yeah. Like, there's just a short little segment where someone's trying to sell him magazines. Bill looked at the list of magazines for sale and angrily wondered why they didn't offer any Asian porn. Then he wondered why he wondered that. And I'm like, oh yeah, that is sort of like how my mind works. Like, 
I'll have a weird thought that's like totally inappropriate and be like, that was a weird thought Wait to have. Wait a minute, Green. What are you doing? He plays with that little bit. So basically, the premise of the of this movie is it's three short films. Everything will be okay. I'm so proud of you, and it's such a beautiful day that he kind of stitched together into a full narrative. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's about a guy named Bill. We're following Bill around, and Bill has some sort of mental or slash physical thing going on in his brain. He basically loses his mind as the as the film progresses. Yeah, it's like what, um, whatever illness he has, like affects like his mental state as well as his physical state. Right, um, and he uh, the falling apart of his reality gets illustrated really well through the animation mm-hmm. that that's going on. I feel it's like it's sort of like with Clean Shaven, which is a great illustration visual illustration and audio illustration of schizophrenia this is like at first i thought it was schizophrenia it's more of just like a general dementia memory loss thing that's going on with him because we find out later in the third act that he keeps like he when he brings the groceries home and he's like why is there so many groceries here or like when he first walks in he's like a neighbor must have put these groceries in his apartment for him which was a very nice gesture. And then you realize that, oh no, he's bringing his own groceries in and forgetting them on the counter, but yeah. thinking that a neighbor did it. Yeah. So it's just like, it's sort of an illustration more of dementia, I would say, than like a split from reality. Yeah, because uh, there, there's a scene where it's like he gets real sick and he has to go to the hospital mm-hmm. and they talk about how <laughs> his like once he like recovers, his mother had to return the coffin at great personal expense. <laughs> right, yeah, because they thought he was gonna die. They took all the flowers out of his room because they thought he was gonna die. But now that he's better, but yeah, I mean, it, it is sort of strange and it is so, sort of funny, like his movies and especially this one. But at the same time, he's really sort of trying to illustrate a truth. Like he's really going for mm-hmm. like the human condition of like what it's like to be sick and what it's like to face your own mortality and mm-hmm. what it's like when your mind starts to go. Yeah, and he really walks this line of, like, this is kind of funny, but it's also super sad. Like, when you, if you actually have ever met someone who has dementia, like an older person, I know you've been through something recently, where it's like they'll say things and it's kind of funny. Yeah. It's like, no, Grandpa, it's this, actually. Yeah. But, like... You're kind of like stifling back laughing, but it's so sad because that means their mind is going. Yeah, you know. I well, yeah. Like when I asked my grandfather, he'd you know been put into like a, a, a center because like his dementia was so bad that no one could care for him, like no one without training. Yeah. And I asked him, you know, at Christmas, I was like, oh, yeah, is, you know, are you liking it there? Like you settling in? And he goes, well, well, I'm not really there that much. So <laughs> I'm like, well, no, you've been living there several months Actually, now. Actually, <laughs> you live here. Um, you're here 24 hours a day. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah, like, I kind of laughed, but it was also like, oh. Yeah, and that's throughout this whole movie. I feel like that's kind of, like, the line he walks. Like, for instance, when um, the first kind of hint that we get that he's starting to lose it, in a way, is when he's sitting down, Bill, our character, is sitting down to watch uh, TV with a box of crackers, and he ends up watching a Mexican boxing match. And at one point during that, one of them headbutts the other. In the fourth round, there was an accidental headbutt that split open one of the fighters' heads pretty badly. They showed it over and over again in slow motion. Before he knew it, Bill had eaten the entire box of crackers. He felt really lousy and didn't want to get up. He had a sudden urge to talk to somebody, so Bill phoned his ex-girlfriend and told her about the manatee on his calendar. Did you ever see the movie about the giant manatee that attacked a city, she asked. I think you mean giant mantis, said Bill. Oh yeah, she said. Giant mantis. Yeah, that's one, there's like multiple things like going on. Like you see like a bubble in the corner that shows the wrestling match, but there's also like different bubbles showing like different parts of the story that's happening yeah. at the same time. And you get this cacophony after yeah. a while and it's like you can't pay attention to all of it at once. And it's funny, because uh, it's like, it's it's funny to hear things on a loop, I guess. I don't know, sometimes. Um, but uh, it's also really sad, because then you're starting to realize that, oh, he's he's having some, he's struggling. Yeah. Um, you see it again, too. I mean, like, the same thing happens when he's having the dream, and there's the fish with the pipe for a penis that's like... The pipe is leaking! 
The pub is leaking. Bill could read the thoughts of the his waitress, who wore leaking. too much eye makeup and had no self-esteem. Outside, horribly deformed birds checked their voicemail. I am made nervous by a clone that grows beneath my closet. Not a complicated I am sexually added with The effects of tranquilizers on animals at higher altitudes are unpredictable. Why don't you come over here and sit on my lap? He's really good. He approaches his films as films. Like, he's, he looks at them with an audio angle and a and a visual angle, you know, mm-hmm. like he, he, th- I think that's something that is kind of runs through all of his work is that he's really good with sound, you know? Yeah. Did you watch the short, um, the meaning of life? Yes. That was another great example and, of good sound. And that one also like reinforced my Terrence Malick. Sure. Like, sure. 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 Oh, this is like a dinosaur segment from tree of life <laughs> or, the like short documentary that he did that I can't remember the name of now, but it's like about the history of the universe. Yeah. Uh, cause, and it's the same sort of situation where it's like Terrence Malick just like showed stuff from like space and like primordial earth set to classical music. And it's like Don Hertzfeld just drew these same things. Yeah. But he's also got an element of like funny to it. Yeah. Like where Terrence Malick is very serious. I yeah. feel like he's like, Oh, I'm making capital A art here. <laughs> yeah. Whereas like I feel like while I do believe Don Herzfeld is making capital A art, he's not approaching it in the same Yeah, it, it he's taking it seriously, but he's not taking himself seriously. Like he's taking yeah. the project seriously, but it's not like he feels that like he's doing important work. Yeah. Or he, he at least acknowledges the absurdity of the human condition. Yeah. It's like, I don't feel like Terrence Malick is quite there yet. I would love to see a comedy from him. Uh, one of his favorite movies is Zoolander. <laughs> really? Yeah. He has screenings of it at, at his home. <laughs> well, I wanted to, I really want to talk about the moment at uh, the big boohoo moment at the end of Act One when his mom he has an episode, and so his mom has to come and take care of him for a little while. And while she's there, she like goes to cut a, a loose string off of him, and yeah, he, with some scissors. And he turns around, Bill tur- sees her, turns around, bats the scissors out of her hand, and they fall to the ground. And she just says, "How could you think I'd ever want to hurt you?" She said, and crumpled to the floor. In that moment, Bill thought she looked really old. It's just heartbreaking, that line to me. Mm. Like, uh, the idea that her son is so far gone mentally that that he thinks that this person who's been so nurturing forever would be trying to stab him with scissors, become that paranoid, you know? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we learn later in Act 2, basically, that she's not all there herself. That's, like, we start... He talks a little bit about genetics and how, like, um, you know, mental problems can get passed down. Yeah. And how she, she kind of has her own little, like, OCD issues going on. Genetics is pretty messed up. But it's still sad to think, you know, that her... Her very own son would be so split from reality that he thinks that she's trying to hurt him. Now, has Don Hertzfeld? Does he? Do we know of any like uh, uh, sort of mental breakdown in his personal life? Not that I know of. Okay, he seems like just a normal dude. Every interview I've seen. Yeah, I, I watched a couple of interviews, and it doesn't seem like he's. Like, A, it doesn't seem like he's too, like, up his own ass about his art. Yeah. Like, he just seems like, yeah, I just like to do this. This is, like, what I, you know, do for a living. Um, and he, he, yeah, he never over-intellectualizes anything. Uh, and then at the same time, like, he doesn't, like, assign meaning to it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. He it, just says it's like, this is an idea I had in my craw and I had to get it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and but he never seems to draw, or it never seems like he's drawing from life experience. It's not like in any of the the clips that I saw of him personally, where he talked about, oh yeah, like you know, right after college, I had a bad breakup and it really like shook me up. Like he never says anything like that. Like, right. He had any sort of like trouble mentally at any point or physically. Like it, mm. it, like I never, I haven't heard him talk about like, oh yeah, I was diagnosed with cancer at twenty two or something. Right. 
Yeah, it just seems like this is from like his observations. He did say that that dream sequence that Bill has uh, with the seal. Last night, Bill dreamt he was young again in a field with friends at the seaside. A big happy seal barked at them and bounded from the water to play soccer. He was pretty good. It was like an animal movie. Then the seal hit the ball a little too excited and it flew over everyone's heads and struck a little boy in an adjacent field really hard in the chest. It seemed like maybe he had a heart condition or something because he wasn't moving. Everyone sort of froze. The seal retreated to the sea. Nobody knew what to do. He said he really dreamed that. Okay. Also, I think he said the, the part with the rocket ship and the ice cream sandwiches. He dreams he's part of a rocket crew re-entering the Earth's atmosphere. As they rapidly descend, it's believed that eating ice cream bars will help prevent them from having strokes. As the heat intensifies, Bill eats his ice cream bar and secretly hopes that if something bad had to happen, the ship wouldn't explode, but just that everyone else would have strokes. He said that that was also a dream he had. I also like the idea of eating ice cream sandwiches to keep you from burning up on re-entry. Yeah. Well, if they're cold enough, maybe. Because, you know, they wouldn't melt. <laughs> and if they were that cold, you know, they wouldn't just freeze you to death. Yeah. They did make me want to eat ice cream sandwiches, though. When I was watching, I'm like, God, they're having a love affair with this ice cream sandwich. <laughs> uh... Yeah, him and his ex-girlfriend, who's also who's a great role in this. She's just super supportive. I don't know. That's kind of sweet that she she plays a role. Is that the one, like, they went to the park and <laughs> the line is... Mostly they talked about death. I like that line. Yeah. I like that, yeah, after that he comes up with the idea of having his head shot into space. Oh, uh, yeah. In a rocket ship, preferably looking out a window, and then she says, I'd be creeped out knowing your head's just spinning around the earth looking down on me. <laughs> Which is a good retort, I would say. Yeah. I tried thinking of uh, your head in a box floating above. Mm-hmm. How'd it make you feel? I was okay with it. Oh, okay. <laughs> good to know. So. What if I had a, what if I had a judging face? Like, mm, really, Matt? Well, like, are you right outside my window? <laughs> I'm just in a container in the corner of your apartment. <laughs> I'd turn your face to the corner. <laughs> And then the next day you come out and it's turned back around. <laughs> it's it's so dense the way and the way it his, really is. It's There's, another. It's really just packed in like a falafel, just <laughs> just full of flavors <laughs> and uh, nourishing <laughs> ingredients. Lamb meat. I love the part when he's like dreaming about. He doesn't. Like how people's crotches are so close to the to the fruit and the produce section. Yeah, which I'd never thought about before, but we'll <laughs> never eat a peach raw again. I just like when he's like later dreaming and he goes like Everyone in the supermarket looked like some sort of demon. And they all had gigantic bacteria ridden crotches buried in all the goddamn produce. It's the goddamn that makes it art. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that, uh, that's what sells it. I also, he repeats something similar to that in Act 3 with, like, because the medication that he's on and everything makes um, his left side of his body, like, fucked up for some reason. Yeah. And he, like, first time he grabs a mug and then it falls and he's like... That hand is dropping everything. And then he shows it again, like, a minute later and then this time it's like... What in the hell is wrong with this mug? I guess if your memory isn't working quite right, you would, uh, maybe jump to different conclusions if the same thing kept happening. Um... Because the Bill goes through chemo, because he loses all of his hair. Or yeah, something. Well, I mean, I thought it was chemo because like the implication was like he started undergoing this treatment and then he lost all of his hair. Hmm. I just assumed it was because of pills he was taking for some reason. Oh, okay. But sure. Um, but yeah, I wondered like maybe chemo has that effect too. Like it's not just a physical effect. Maybe it's like a mental effect. Maybe yeah. I mean, if you're Pumping a bunch of chemicals into your body, that goes through your brain, too. Yeah. Blood goes into your brain. So, yeah. Um, I thought it was an interesting point he made, because there was a point in the end when he, he mentioned something about how, like, when your brain has uh, memory loss, it tries to uh, fill in the gaps, basically, with, I think the word he used was confabulated stories. Yeah. Um which is interesting because then it sort of maybe shines light on 
a lot of the stuff that happens earlier on. Like when we start to see issues with Bill, things like he's there's just like stated matter of factly like the guy next to him at the bus stop had the head of a cow, but Bill pretended not to notice. Yeah, so like yeah. maybe he's just sort of filling in gaps with like dreams even, uh, which would which would which is why a lot of the weird shitty seeing would make sense kind of. It's just like I don't know why that would happen but I also but I know this experience happens so I'm just going to fill in the gap there that way as your brain will <laughs> <laughs> did you see his Simpsons yes yeah uh, longest that's... ever opening intro and that's previous to world of tomorrow but it has uh, a lot of the you could tell that's sort of where he's sketch sketching yeah. slash work workbooking it a little bit yeah workbooking Whatever. And, you know, I gotta give credit to The Simpsons for, like, letting him, like, be Hertzfeld. <laughs> They're like, here's carte blanche. Yeah. And, like, reluctantly handing it over. <laughs> I mean, they must have known because of his reputation, like, against, like, advertising that he wasn't one that was gonna, like, compromise his artistic vision. Yeah. So they must have just said, like, you can do whatever you want, just, like, keep it under five minutes he's like okay here's two no minutes. nudity <laughs> um and it's great yeah it's real good i like it a lot it's hilarious uh and i read something today that he was actually there's uh an emotional element to it where, where homer's actually the homer character is actually looking back So it's like make almost even a comment on how like the Simpsons is sold out. Yeah. It feels like Don Hertzfeld is sort of the next step in animation. Like with The Simpsons, we had a cartoon that was sort of like kids could watch, but it was really more aimed at adults or like young yeah. adults or you know. Uh and it was really like the first like mainstream cartoon aimed at you know, more than just kids. Right. But it was primarily aimed at adults. Kind and, of validating the art form. Yeah. And, but really, for the most part, all cartoons aimed at adults are comedies. And it's not that Hertzfeld doesn't have comedy in it. Mm -hmm. But, like, with It's Such a Beautiful Day, it's definitely him doing more serious subject matter. Definitely, Like, yeah. we're dealing with, like, death and dementia, you know, mortality, interpersonal relationships... And while there are elements of comedy to it, I feel like he's taking that next step. Like, we had comedy first with, like, Simpsons and, like, really 30 years of animation after that. And, like, we're finally kind of getting to that point where we're having cartoons that are dramas. Mm -hmm. That are, you know, serious. Like, more serious than they are funny. Yeah. Because there's not that many cartoons. Like, you can say maybe some, like, Miyazaki films are that way. Sure. But even that's, like, more action-adventure than drama, per se. Yeah. Like, this is cartoons that are dealing explicitly, like, with, like, interpersonal relationships and, like, your own emotions. Yeah. Uh, and there's not too many cartoons that do that. Yeah, and it's hard because... It's, like you mentioned earlier, I feel like... When I mention, when I talk to people about Don Hertzfeld, a lot of people, or just rejected in general, if I talk to people about that, everyone's like, oh yeah, that bl the bloody anus cartoon. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's part of it. But then it goes on and yeah. then turns into this whole different thing where it becomes meta and like the, the, you know, drawings can't sustain themselves and it all falls apart and there's amazing animation going on there. Yeah. And it's just, it's funny that like, I think people have this association in their brain with, like, cartoons can't deal with heavy material. I mean, I can't think of something other than one of these Hertzfeld movies that really does. Yeah, I'd be hard-pressed, too, as well. You know, maybe Grave of the Fireflies. Oh, I don't know what that is. What's that? Uh, it's a Studio Ghibli movie, not directed by Miyazaki, but it's about, uh... It takes place, like, World War II Japan. 
and like two kids like teenager maybe 17 18 and like his younger brother essentially starved to death while like waiting out the war all right um that's the thing is like he's dealing with all these heavy emotions but it's like there's enough humor and laughter peppered within yeah that it's fun to watch these you know like you may cry but you're also gonna laugh yeah at i mean several points i laugh in this in this movie and um I think he's really good at kind of dark comedy yeah. in that way. Because it's like, I think when dark comedy is really good, you question why you're laughing. Okay. You're sort of like, yes, I find this funny. But then you have to say, like, why do I find this funny? Because uh, it's so dark. Yeah. Um, and I think he's really good at, at that. Yeah. And making me question why I'm laughing at these things he's presenting to me, you know? And with uh, the Ghibli film... It's a fine movie, but I wouldn't say that it's a great cartoon. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel Hertzfeld, they are cartoons. Mm-hmm. You could not make these things live action and still have them maintain the impact. It's like the argument with King of the Hill, where there's people yeah. like, why is this an animated series? You could easily do this live. Yeah. Um, like, it's not a fault on like the writing or the jokes or the voice acting or anything like that, but it's just, there's nothing about it that's cartoony. One of my favorite of his short films that I think that if it was live action might be terrifying was the one where the balloons are attacking the <laughs> children. I feel like if if you did that live action, it would just kind of be mean. Yeah, especially since the red balloon is such an important short yeah. film for me as a child. Like, <laughs> uh, but watching it as like a cartoon, like that, and that, that's dark humor. Like I'm laughing as like a yeah. balloon is like picking up this like limp body of a child and then dropping it it. (laughs) and even just watching it like smack the child in the face yeah like you're i if that was live action like i feel like it would just be mean yeah but watching it as a cartoon like i can kind of laugh and cringe at the same time yeah i almost feel so a lot so this earlier student films um there's one the did you did you watch a l'amour Maybe. It's his very first one, and it's it's a little embarrassing in that it's, like, one dude who walks up to a girl, and then he's like, hey, Angela, want to go to the movies? And then it, like, makes the woman look like a horrible banshee that's like, I need my space! And then she, like, rips off his skin and stuff or something like that. Okay, no, um, I did not see that one. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's also, like, you know, it'd be like introducing your this friend that you know to somebody and then the first thing they say is like I shat my pants in fifth grade you know <laughs> like yeah but you also have all these other things you should tell so like don't start with that one I guess is my point but um, also why are you telling my come on lines to everyone <laughs> I said fifth grade you, I, you told me it was in your sixth grade uh, <laughs> I got it you. was all through elementary oh I see pick a grade sorry, sorry. I got you covered <laughs> But um, we were talking earlier about um, Guy Madden and yeah. how, like, they're kind of similar in my mind, how they're both, like, great artists. I'm so glad they're alive. Um, but it, I was realizing today the there's a real disconnect between the two in that uh, Don Hertzfeld, as an American artist, is, like, he he rejects any commercializ- commercialization of his work, doesn't want to do commercials, um, and has since been, like, a, kind of a struggling artist, you know, his whole his whole life, whereas, mm-hmm. like, Guy Madden, their country is like, here, we, we recognize you as a talent from our country, here's tax dollars, go make things for us, you know? Whereas, like, Don Hertzfeld has won so many awards for what he's done, and they're like, everyone turns his back on him because it's like, well, you're not making... Mo- you're not going to use this to make money. (laughs) Like, that's just such an American attitude towards art. You know what I mean? I don't think, like, Guy Madden's, like, putting his feet up, you know. (laughs) Well, no, he's not rolling. Like, they're going out of style. (laughs) Just sitting uzo. (laughs) No, but I mean, like, there's just no... I don't see the, our government jumping up and being like, this is an important American artist. Do you think Don Hartsfeld would take the money? I don't know. That's a good question, actually. I like, I can that. see him, like, sort of rejecting that. Yeah, because maybe then there's expectations on his art that he's not willing to 
cater to. Yeah. That's possible. Um, but I don't know. It's just frustrating to me that this, that this person who's won so many awards from so many critics and film festivals is still relatively unknown. I feel like we should be blasting his name from the mountaintop, you know? He needs to make more, uh, my anus is bleeding. <laughs> yeah. No new crap, just the hits, man. <laughs> don't bore us straight to the chorus. <laughs> Like come up with a with a line of anus bleeding puffballs. <laughs> um, yeah. Action figures that like when you squeeze where the liquid drops out. Yeah, Don Hertzfeld is un-American. <laughs> is what we're, is my point. I mean, we we really haven't done this movie justice, but but the, it's really all in the experience. Like it's hard to talk about. I these. mean, what are we gonna do? Talk about the curvaceousness of the lines. <laughs> Elvis Costello once said that writing about music is like dancing about architecture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I kind of feel like this this falls into that category where to sit and talk about it won't really capture the essence of it. Yeah, it's tough. I didn't realize how tough it would be to talk about. Um, but... I mean, it's fertile. There's a lot going on. Yeah. It's not like we're want for stuff to talk about, but it... It's hard to really capture the essence of a Hertzfeld film with words. Yeah. You have to see it. Well said. There's the scene in this in the second act when there's like the guy blowing the leaf. Oh yeah, stuff, and yeah. It just like t- goes on forever, and watching it, just the sound of a leaf blower, and so I was listening to a podcast the other day. <sighs> okay, yeah, I was l- listening to like how stupid lawns are, <laughs> like how bad they are for the environment, how much money they suck up, and like how much water they take to maintain. And one of the things that this report was talking about is how annoying leaf blowers are. Mm. And it like broke it down. Like they had like an audio engineer scientist on talking about, it's like, well, like most lawn care devices, it has like a really dirty, loud engine. Mm -hmm. And it, it leaf blowers in particular have this annoying thing where there's the low rumbling of the engine itself, but the air blowing creates this really high pitched sound on top of it. So you have an annoying low sound and an annoying high sound on top of one another, and it creates a sort of unique pitch that cannot be like muted. Like closing your out. door, closing the windows does not like block the sound. Yeah, there's also like the frequency variation because it's always like <laughs> so it's like you can't even just tune it out and have it be background noise like droning because it's not droning. It's Changing pitch. Yeah, it's not white noise anymore. Ugh, and they're loud, and they're wasteful. It's like, get a fucking rake, you know? <laughs> God. Wow. Drive me crazy. Well, Matt, if you can believe it, this is episode 29 that we've finished here. Feels like it was just yesterday that we were doing our uh, last double feature. Yeah, well, guess what? It's time for our next... <laughs> What do we have on the docket, Ryan? Well, we like to do something new every time we do a double feature here on X-Rated, in case you didn't know. So this time, uh, we're focusing on a specific actor that has something... <laughs> some that, 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 that special Hertzfeldian quality that's <laughs> yeah. ineffable. Can't put my finger on it, but... Uh... We it's love. not quality, you know that. <laughs> no, it's not quality. But um, we love her, and we're, we've decided to do, for this double feature, a Gershonathon. Bum, bum, bum. And, uh, of course, I'm talking about Gina Gershon. As opposed to who, Antonio <laughs> Gershon? <laughs> uh, Mo- Maleficent Gershon. <laughs> the costume designer from the 1940s. Easily confused. <laughs> 
Wow, you had that on the surface. Like, you knew I was going to ask. <laughs> uh, but we're going to do Bound. Yeah. And um, also a new thing for us, a movie that neither of us have seen. Going in blind. House of Versace. <laughs> Which... Looks no idea. <laughs> like a Gina Gershon movie. Uh, Lifetime original. Yeah, this could go real south <laughs> or real north. We don't know. But there's no in between. No, we're going in blind, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be something. <laughs> It'll be a couple of movies, <laughs> one way or the and other. We know that much. We've got two movies to watch for next week. <laughs> Let's plug our junk. Yeah. I'm going to start things differently this time. We would love it if you subscribed, rated, reviewed on the iTunes. We're also on... Well, I was going to say, our, <laughs> our podcast, once again, is X-Rated Movies, if you're trying to find us on iTunes. Oh, that's where it is. <laughs> that's been the problem the whole time. No one knows the name of this. They open up iTunes and they're just a blank. They're like, hmm. This is what happens when you throw off the routine. Damn it. Okay. Take two. We also have a Twitter account at X Rated Movies. Find us on Facebook, Rated X Movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, rate, review, subscribe in iTunes. There. Got it. Uh, we also have a Patreon if you want to pay for this fine quality content. You can also email us, x.rated.movies at gmail.com. We're just all over the web. Yeah. Any place you look. Picture us as sheets covering the internet. <laughs> and that's accurate. Mine's the stained one. <laughs> I'm like a Garfield sheet from 80s, maybe. Uh, that's still around. Garfield? Yeah. Hmm, I don't know. Is Jim Davis still alive? Tune in next week to find out. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week with our double feature, Bound and House of Versace. A.K.A. Grishonathon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>